COVID-19, racial inequality, justice, and other issues are faced by lay people and nurses alike. Let's talk about this historic moment in time with Dr. Iman Abu-Zayed, the CEO of Incredible Health, right here on episode 278 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion as we can in our special COVID-19 episodes. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your nursing career and personal development and discuss the social issues you care about as well. This episode is a far-ranging conversation that you're sure to glean a great deal from, so thanks for being here. Be well, stay safe, and many blessings to you, your loved ones, your colleagues, your communities, and everyone on this troubled yet beautiful planet of ours. This podcast, of course, is all about you and your career and the world at large, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, technology, and beyond. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 278. And today we are joined by friend of the pod, Dr. Iman Abuzayed of Incredible Health, who you may recall was with us not that long ago on episode 252. And full disclosure, Incredible Health has sponsored some episodes of the Nurse Keith Show in the past, and I have an affiliate relationship with their job board function via nursekeith.com. So Iman, welcome back to the show. And I wanna jump right into it and we'll get to your bio in due course. How are you feeling in the midst of this ongoing pandemic and the ongoing pandemic of racial injustice that we're facing, especially in the context of healthcare? Yeah, I mean, great question. I, I think we're all <laughs> we're all feeling under some kind of uh, strain and stress when you're combining the COVID pandemic and the racial injustice um, and the and the economic slowdown, right? All three combined is a lot. 2020 is a rough year. So in terms of the racial, the civil unrest in particular, uh, you know, we made the decision as a company and as a team to, t- to make a very public stance on, on the topic and also to come up with an action plan. So it's not just words that we actually, you know, make, make some kind of impact. Um, so of course, like we stand in complete solidarity with the Black community. And with the, with minority nurses in particular, you know, 20% of nurses are minorities. And some of the action plans that we put into place are we fully support our uh, team in volunteering that our team has engineers, has marketers, has designers, and they are, we support them in volunteering with uh, black youth organizations that they're working with to teach their skills. Another one is that uh, on company holidays. Yes, Juneteenth was a company holiday. Great. But honestly, even more importantly, election day is a company holiday as well as the day before election day. So our team can participate and get out the vote efforts. Of course, we're donating, signing the petitions. And then the other thing, just in terms of our product is like, we're committed to remove, to uh, continually removing bias from our hiring product. So for example, you know, we noticed that recruiters were biasing against nurses that lived further away from their hospital. And not taking into account that the nurse could be relocating and the nurse in the profile has, had already mentioned their preference being in that location. And so what we did was we just removed the nurse's current location. Wow. Okay. And as a result, you know, we just saw that human bias completely removed. And we're constantly 
doing things like that to our product to make sure that every nurse has equal opportunity across the platform. That's fantastic. And I've interacted with Incredible Health quite a bit over the last year or so, and you've been on the show before. And on episode 252, we talked a lot about the platform. So we'll link to that in the show notes so people can go back and listen to that awesome episode with you where we introduced you to the to the audience. Yeah. So as a platform that really is working very, very hard to create a new experience for nurses who want to work against the shortage and help to populate and fill positions that need to be filled, right? And during this economic downturn and COVID-19, we also want to see nurses get jobs so they can support their families, support their communities and, and contribute and also feel good about themselves because they're employed. So you've removed the geographic identifiers from their profiles. So do you have concerns or have you raised concerns with some facilities over potential racial issues around hiring? How, how is that being addressed in the bigger hiring world? What, what are you seeing or feeling or thinking about that? Yeah, so it has it has come up honestly even before the most recent events, right? Sure. So well, one of the things that we do is um, for many facilities they ask us to hide profile pictures, right? Hmm. Okay. And in some cases, even hide names. So we're we're constantly making these tweaks just to, for the end result being that everyone has equal opportunity. Um, and you know we have to be very very careful about this because there are so- this is software there are algorithms you know and um, and then there's human bias as well and so we're trying to manage all of that to make sure that uh, every nurse no matter where they are where they're from has has the same opportunities. That's wonderful, and I know it must be a stretch sometimes because you also have a business model, so you need to keep money flowing to keep you yourselves afloat so that you can then pay your employees, your developers, your engineers, all the advisors and people who work with you and yourselves, the executive team, and also support the organizations you're supporting around racial justice and things like that, and be present for the nurses who are part of the incredible health community because you're trying to help these nurses get jobs. And one way I understand that you're really helping nurses right now during this very historic and let's just say challenging time in our country, that you're offering free continuing education for nurses all around the country. Can you speak to that and tell us what that is? And then we'll put links in the show notes so people can look it up and find it. Absolutely. So great. This was actually a initiative we had in the works even before the pandemic. Uh, so this is something we always planned on doing. Um, and so what we've done is we now offer free continuing education units to every nurse in America. And it's, this is 100% free. Now, usually nurses pay out of pocket for continuing education. And we actually calculated that every year, $240 million is spent by nurses on continuing education. So it, it, is, it is usually... It is a big expense overall, especially when you look into the traveling to conferences and the courses that you have to take and so on. And so, you know, our mission at Incredible Health is to help healthcare professionals live better lives. And so in our early days, it was just about finding a job, but we're really expanding to be the place where a nurse advances their career as well. And part of that is offering free continuing education. So they, they, they sign up um, for Incredible Health on our website, and we also have an iOS and Android app. And yes, they have access to the jobs product, 
or the hiring product. But in that app, they also have access to continuing education units. We have hundreds of courses that are all online. It's fully accredited in all 50 states. And you know, when you go through the flow, it even tells you which credits that you need to do for the particular license that you have. That's great. As soon as the course is done, you do get your certificate right away. And, in, and for some states, it does report to them automatically via CE broker. So um, we're talking about fully accredited, hundreds of courses <laughs> um, available online in, on the Incredible Health app or the, uh, or the website. Wonderful. And is this for RNs only? No, this is for all nurses. NPs as well? NPs, LPNs, whoever needs continuing education. Oh, I didn't know it was also for nurse practitioners. Yeah. And the reason continuing education is so important, as your audience probably knows, is that it's needed to maintain licenses. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you. We'll make sure that goes out on social and we'll also have it in the show notes and that'll be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 278. So that's a wonderful way to support nurses, especially when some might be really feeling the pinch economically right now, maybe they haven't been laid off. Maybe they haven't lost shifts. Maybe census is down where they are and it's up in other places. Or maybe their spouse has lost a job or maybe their children are home and they're paying for extra childcare or whatever it happens to be that they're doing right now. We know a lot of people are pushed pretty far economically. So that's a very nice gift and I'll make sure that that the people out there in my world know about it. So thank you. And there, there's more coming. So Okay. <laughs> and will this go on for a certain period of time or is it indefinite at the moment? At the moment, it's indefinite. Okay. Planned way before the pandemic and it, it will be there way after as well. Great. One question that someone out there listening might think is, oh, if I sign up and I don't really want to look for a job, I just want to access the CEUs, am I going to get a lot of emails from Incredible Health that I don't really need or want to see right now? No, you won't. I mean, you you might get a couple, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're signing up, you do indicate if you are looking for a job, right? I see. But but please, like, there is no, there is zero obligation to use our hiring product when you are using a CE product. Okay, good. Thank you. I just wanted to ask the question that I was hearing in my head from my audience. Yeah, and all all of our services are always 100% free for nurses. Great. Thank you very much. That's wonderful. Now, let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 because it's on most of our minds, I think, right now, unless we've been living under a rock. So, you know, we're recording this in late June 2020. The pandemic is not showing any signs of slowing down over the summer which was a panacea a lot of people were counting on or wishing for. And I've been saying all along, you know what, we can't put our eggs in that basket or maybe like half an egg because this isn't influenza. And I mean, look at Houston right now. It's really hot in Houston and the the pandemic's taking off there or Florida. So obviously the summer is not doing us much good in general. So you did some research on nurses in terms of jobs. So you mined a lot of data from your own database and you had quite a few respondents. So can you speak a little bit to what you learned from doing this survey of nurses vis-a-vis COVID-19? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we we did a very detailed um, study and it included uh, not just surveying nurses, but also querying the information in our database. And um, just to clarify, this this was done. This study was done in April, so this is like the pandemic is really getting going at this point. It was like a month into 
like when we were really paying attention That's here right. in the States. Yeah. Right. So some of our key findings is, uh, you know, only 2% of nurses felt that their facilities were very prepared for the pandemic. Um, that probably doesn't surprise anyone. I mean, the health systems were shocked by this. Um, they did not have enough PP, personal protective equipment. They did not have infection control protocols in place. And, you know, we, we, we are in touch with hospital executives as well. And so over the last two months, they have put a lot of those, those two things into place, right? Sure. Things have been shifting and evolving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing that, you know, that we can't underestimate is two thirds of, of nurses were saying um, they, do, they don't, in general, don't feel adequately supported by their facilities to deal with the added stress of COVID-19. Now, we've spoken before that nursing is, it is a tough job. It is a stressful job. When you add a pandemic on top of that, um, and the nurses are, we are on the front lines, it becomes very difficult uh, from a stress, workplace stress and just personal stress standpoint. 2% of nurse respondents said their facility was very prepared to deal with COVID-19. And again, this was April of 2020 right? And we're now in June. So things have shifted. And I'd be curious to see what you would glean if you did the survey again. Uh, It would just be interesting to know. Yeah, it'll probably go up a bit. But um, the nurses we speak to every day say it's still still challenging. Yeah, right. And now in terms of jobs in general, like what jobs are kind of hot, the data that you all sent said that twice as many ER nurses were hired on Incredible Health in March compared to February and January, and 50% more ICU nurses were hired during that same time compared to L&D, OR, things like that. So has that remained steady now, or are you mining other data right now that shows a slight shift in what jobs are like really hot? Yeah, so it, we have seen a shift. So okay. you're right. In April, uh, emergency room, IC, ED, and ICU like increased dramatically. OR, LMB, and these other areas dropped. Right. Um, what we're seeing is uh, now is like a little bit of a reversion back to the normal hmm. pre-pandemic. Right. Okay. Because what what had happened is when the hospitals stopped their elective procedures, for example, they they shut down entire units, including labor and delivery units. Um, they are now starting to open those back up. And so, you know, they need staff, (laughs) staff for those units. And so one of the first things that they're doing is bringing back the nurses that they furloughed or whose hours they cut, right? But then once that's, once they're all back, then they'll need to actively start hiring again. So we're already starting to see that shift Mm -hmm. and the numbers are reverting back to what they were pre-pandemic. Okay. And now, um, you know, we're in June, so September, October, November, We're waiting to see what happens when the flu hits and if it's a really bad flu season and how many people are who get vaccinated and how effective the vaccine is. And we obviously won't have a vaccine against COVID by flu season, maybe early next year, they said possibly. So this could all shift again, couldn't it? Yeah, the situation's pretty volatile. Yeah, it is. It's very mutable. It's one of the words I've been using lately, but volatile, I think, is a little a little stronger. And, you know, you're a former medical doctor, and I know you come from a family that includes several surgeons. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Was it one of your parents was a surgeon or is a surgeon? Uh, My father and my two older brothers. Wow. Okay. And why did you make the switch from being an active clinician 
to working more in this area of supporting nurses and the nursing profession, and obviously then also supporting facilities because they need the people who you're funneling to them. So what was your personal mission? What lit that fire for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so when I finished medical school, I mean, don't get me wrong, one-on-one patient care is great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did want to find ways to make an impact on a, on a, on a bigger level, on a systems level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I spent my time in hospital operations and strategy during my, doing management consulting and uh, then did my MBA, then moved out to the Bay Area where I learned to become a technical product manager at an early stage healthcare technology company. And that's really where I learned to work with engineers and designers and data scientists. So while all of this was going on, uh, my 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 friends and family members who are doctors, surgeons, so on, were often complaining about understaffing and how their units are just constantly understaffed mm. uh, with nurses in particular. And then at the same time, my, my co-founder, who's a software engineer from MIT, his sisters are nurses. And, uh, and they would say, hey, I'm experienced, I'm qualified. It still takes me two or three months to get my next job. I apply to 15 different places. I usually never hear back. That's very true, isn't it? Across the board. And so then once we were like, okay, both sides are complaining. Uh, so once we dug into it, like many things in healthcare, it just hasn't changed since the 90s, early 90s. You know? uh, finding a job is the processes, the tools, nothing has changed. You post a job online and hope something happens. And mm-hmm. for an industry like this that has a massive shortage of workers, that is just not, that is not enough to hire rapidly and to hire efficiently. Good point. Yes. So Incredible Health was what you all put together with engineers and web designers and all of those people who do the coding that takes it takes that it takes to create a platform like this. And it's a pretty robust, really cool platform. I've checked it out. So if we're going to have a shortage of a million nurses sometime later this decade, possibly, then you're trying to really contribute to stemming that shortage. And that's important on every level. And it all comes down actually really to patient outcomes because if we're short of nurses, outcomes are going to be worse. And then we have shortages of income for the the facilities who then can't hire nurses and it's this vicious cycle, right? Exactly. So understaffing... I mean, there's so much research about understaffing. When, when a unit is understaffed and it does not have enough nurses, the uh, medication errors go up usually about uh, 8%, right? right? The right. readmissions goes up 4%. Even patient mortality goes up. Patient satisfaction goes down. So all of these different quality metrics all suffer as a result of understaffing, which is why it's so critical to get enough staff. Now, it's a tricky financial situation for hospitals though, right? Because... They can't just spend on premium labor, which is travel nurses, and they can't just spend on overtime like forever, right? Because that's also very expensive. And so Mm -hmm. they are under a lot of pressure to hire permanent nurses um, on their teams uh, because that that is the most cost-effective way, and it's also the best for the quality of care as well. I see. So we're really in a pinch here, and you at Incredible Health and other organizations who I think are doing a good job are all pitching in to try to stem the tide of of nurse attrition and getting all the talented people out there back into the workforce who are desperate for jobs. They're looking for work. And you're right that online applications are often just this dark hole that you're 
resume yeah. and application go into. And yeah, I talk to people all the time. So it's an ongoing issue. So working with Incredible Health is one of those ways. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about the nursing shortage. And then I also want to talk about the racial inequality issues that we're facing and how you as an African-American business owner and CEO looks at this situation and how your company wants to continue to address it as we move forward. Okay? Okay. Great. So we'll be right back with the second half of episode 278. Nurses, be a part of something greater. This episode of The Nurse Keith Show is sponsored by University of Maryland Medical System, who are committed to supporting their community, patients, and employees during this unprecedented time. They are actively seeking dedicated nurses for permanent positions throughout their 16 hospital system in the greater Baltimore area, as well as a float pool to treat COVID-19 patients in field hospitals and pop-up medical facilities. When you join the nursing team at UMMS, you're doing more than simply providing care to the community. You're embarking on a journey of personal and professional development with unparalleled opportunities to advance your skills and enhance your clinical practice. At UMMS, They foster a collaborative environment built on a culture of teamwork and mutual respect. Their nurses take pride in caring for their patients and celebrating each other's contributions, and they recognize and reward their dedication to patient-centered care. To join their team of healthcare heroes, please visit ummscareers.org. That's ummscareers.org, the University of Maryland Medical System, an equal opportunity employer. I thank UMMS from the bottom of my heart for their generous support of the Nurse Keith Show. And we're back. Thanks for hanging out here on episode 278 of the Nurse Keith Show. We are hanging out with Dr. Iman Abu Zayed, my friend of the pod from Incredible Health at IncredibleHealth.com. And Iman, before the break, we talked about, gosh, We touched on the racial injustice issues happening and some of the ways in which your organization's responding. We talked about the nursing shortage. We talked about the free CEUs you're offering at IncredibleHealth.com to every nurse in the United States, including nurse practitioners, all APRNs. So continuing where we left off before the break, in terms of the nursing shortage, Are you still hearing that number that we may have a shortage of up to a million nurses by 2025 or six? Is that still the data you're hearing? Correct. Yeah. One million nurses short by 2024. Um, 2024. Yeah, exactly. And the short, we already are in a shortage. We are. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure sure your audience feels it every day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Now, have you heard anything in your circles, and I bet you have, and I've talked about it on the show here with several of my guests, in terms of how COVID-19 has interrupted or at least thrown a big wrench into nursing education and medical education, by the way, and or and PTs and social workers, all these people who want to get out into the workforce, they want to graduate. And we're seeing challenges around nursing students and medical residents, for instance, and medical students getting placements because of the 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 virus. So are you hearing any inklings out there around ways in which this is being addressed? Have you just heard anything from your colleagues? Yeah, there's been I yeah, I think what happened during 
particularly in March, April, May, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, um, when the, these hospitals were caught off guard and they were scrambling to get better prepared for COVID, is that you know what happens there is like there, there can be chaos inside these organizations, right? So mm-hmm. the top priority becomes getting enough pers- stockpiling that personal protective equipment and getting those infection control protocols in place. And 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 they didn't have the hospital executives, unfortunately, did not have very clear direction from our government leaders. Not to make this political, but it's just the fact they just didn't have. Yeah, we can go clear, a little political. Clear. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have clear guidelines from the CDC, for example, for infection control protocols, which is a very common thing that ha- has happened in the past when there's a, 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 like a lethal infection going on. Good point. And so each each team, each hospital team, had to figure this out for themselves. So. You know, for example, on the infection control piece, um, they had to uh, increase the amount of cleaning that the hospital goes through. They had to change the scheduling, the OR schedule. So anyone who has COVID or is at risk of COVID is in the morning and those without COVID are in the afternoon. They had to design COVID-specific units um, to really separate those patients out from everyone else and, and other things like that, right? The other thing that happened during the pandemic is the big hit to hospitals financially, right? So when you stop elective procedures, your revenue drops dramatically. And the la- those two months, April, like April and May, have been the worst months financially on record, right? <laughs> financially for hospitals. Right. Uh, they lost more revenue than they have in, in, I mean, since we started tracking this data, right? And so all of that just, just it impacts hiring. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it creates turmoil and slowdowns for, for some, some types of hiring. It depends, right? If you're an ICU nurse, you're, you're good. Of course. And then getting back to the education point, if they're having mm-hmm. hiring issues, and so they're having staffing issues, and yeah. this could be medical and nursing and other areas as well, case managers, for instance, to help people get moved out to other facilities or discharged, and and, and setting up tertiary services out in the community. And the last thing on their mind, likely, is trying to set up preceptorships for nursing students. And yeah that goes out the window. And then the nursing schools are saying, whoa, whoa, we can't send our students out where they might get infected or they could be spreading the virus themselves as asymptomatic carriers. So a lot of these schools have moved into online and virtual training, which is not quite the same as putting your hands on an actual body. So some medical students and nursing students out there, and I've spoken with my friend Ted O'Connell, who's a professor of medicine out there in the Bay Area. You might even know Ted. And we talked about the ways in which this wrench has been thrown into the works for education. And we both have expressed our concern publicly that these clinicians are getting the education they need and that when they get out into the workforce, when they do pass their boards, are they going to get the support in the systems, in the hospital systems, to be able to get up to speed if their education was not quite up to snuff in that last year or so. So now I want to bring this to incredible health. So are you seeing a lot of new nurses, like brand new graduates coming through incredible health looking for jobs? We've definitely, in the last three months, we have seen big increases on, of nurse signups on our platform. Great. And do you have any data around the relative speed at which those new grads are able to find well-paying jobs and actually get hired and get out into the workforce? Yeah. So unfortunately, all of the facilities we work with don't use Incredible Health for new grads. 
Uh, oh, I see. Required okay. that they have at least one year of acute care experience. I see. Um, I don't have much data on the new grads, but I do have data on the experienced nurses. Um, I see. In terms of their speed, their speed to hiring. So new grads can't really use Incredible Health because they need that one year to be able to access those facilities through Incredible Health. Yeah. Well, they can use our continuing education product and other products we have in the works, but no, no, they can't use the hiring product yet. I see. It would just be very interesting to know because I'm hearing from a lot of new grads right now who are struggling and I think it's a super competitive place out there. So there are struggles for, for folks for sure. And, and I know new grads getting hired too and getting hired for good jobs. Yep. So some are getting sign-on bonuses. So it's interesting. And I guess we have to look at geography. We have to look at each city and really drill down to see what's going on. Yeah. So we can't make many blanket statements about the whole country. Right. I mean, there, there has been some good news though um, on the hiring. Front. Mm-hmm. So one is that we saw a, you know, the, the average number of days it takes to hire a nurse is usually about 90 days. On our platform, and what we guarantee is consistently under 30 days. And, and what we saw during the pandemic is that accelerated, actually. Um, we had an average before the pandemic of 25 days, and it's now mm-hmm. dropped to 19 days. That's six, that's almost a week. Yes, exactly. And yeah, that's pretty good. There are two reasons why that drove that. Number one is yes, the increased intense desire to hire ICU nurses, ED nurses, the, the, the nurses that they urgently need for COVID, right? Yes. And then the second reason is the hiring managers are more comfortable with online interviewing, like interviewing via video instead of requiring the nurse to show up in person. And that has really accelerated the hiring process because now you get rid of the scheduling and the traveling and all that stuff right. uh, when it comes to interviewing. Oh, and are you hearing that directly from the folks who hire at these hospitals and facilities that they're just getting more comfortable with this new world? Yes. They, I mean, they have to. They don't really have a choice. Right. But you're hearing that their comfort is increasing. Their comfort is increasing. And then also, you know, our, our, our software enables video interviewing too. And so we, see, we saw a big uptick in, in the use of, of, of that interview. Great. Okay. That's really good to hear. So we need people in the workforce. So we need these processes to speed up. We don't want people to, to not do their due diligence when hiring, of course, yeah. but we just need, we need things to speed up a little bit because we need to keep that pipeline filled. Especially if a nurse doesn't live, doesn't, is, not, is relocating and is not near your facility. Right. Yeah, a year ago or two years ago, I would have clients who were getting flown out to interview in Baltimore or LA or Detroit, and that was awesome. But we're obviously not doing that right now, and we're not going to do that for quite some time. So before we wind down, or as we slowly start to wind down, I could talk to you for hours, Mon. So you'll be back. (laughs) You'll be back. Um, Let's talk a little about racial inequality. You published a blog post. I don't know the actual date, but it was about institutional racism and what Incredible Health is doing about it. So let's just touch on a couple of the main points that you think are most important. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be about your practices at Incredible Health, though you're welcome to point out any ones that you think are are very important for others to hear at other organizations. So what do you think Mm -hmm. is most important for us to think about and talk about and learn at this very historic and crucial time in American history? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I published the letter I sent to our team and this was maybe six days after, uh, the George Floyd video. After George Floyd. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of points there. So one is to understand that racism is pervasive. These aren't just one-off incidents. No. I, I mean, I'll just give myself as an example. I, yes, I am. I am African American, and um, and I'm the CEO, you know, of this company, and and I live in the Bay Area, right? So it, even me, when I I have walked into venture capital offices and been mistaken for the Postmates courier. Really. Right? Uh, my co-founder, even though he went to MIT and so on, has put, been pulled over by the cops for no reason, right? And they didn't let him go until he showed them their his MIT badge, right? So. Just even even us, like with Ivy League degrees and privilege and, you know, these liberal city bubbles and so on, right? Even we deal with it. And, and so I, I just want everyone to understand that this is, this is highly prevalent. You know, it's not some one-off place in Minneapolis only or only in the South or wherever. It's everywhere, right? It is indeed. And, and you know, and we're just being judged on the color of our skin, basically. The second thing I would say, just this is specifically for business leaders or honestly anyone in a leadership position um, who's involved in hiring, it is important to make diversity and inclusion a priority, right? And, and, and once it becomes a true priority, it's a goal, it's, you know, it's something, it's, it affects someone's performance review, right? Then all, you know, the team can mobilize to like act and, and, and make sure the team meets the goal. And the reason it should be a priority is diversity drives business results, right? There are so many studies that show that a diverse team drives more revenue, drives more to the bottom line, comes up with more innovative ideas. They make decisions twice as fast. You know, there's just so much data out there that shows that diversity helps. And, and the reason it helps is because you're bringing so many different viewpoints to problem solving. Right, exactly. You're bringing, you're bringing people from different walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds, different ways of viewing the world. So it's a diversity of opinion, experience, family history, culture, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then when it comes to technology in particular, we have to remember as, as, as those of us building technology, we are building it for a very diverse population. So it is important that my team reflects the diversity of the population that we're serving, right? So if 20% of nurses are minorities, then 20% of my team better be minorities too, right? Because they will have more insights and they will make sure that we don't miss um, important areas for that population that we're building for. Right. And with, for instance, the Latinx community, they are an emerging majority. So I think the data shows by 2050, the Latinx community will potentially be the majority actually in this country. And so, yeah, so so those shifts are happening. Absolutely. And I can give a specific example in terms of product development, right? So we talked earlier about the free continuing education for every nurse. Yeah. It it was important that um, we don't just have the course, the general courses like heart failure or like, you know, uh, coronary artery disease that affects Mm. everyone, right? Sure. We we included courses like care for the LGBT community, right? Mm -hmm. HIV AIDS. Mm-hmm. the nurse's role in the opioid crisis. Like it, it is important that we, even as, as nurses, as clinicians are aware of the different ways and the different um, considerations when we're, when we're treating different populations. That's great. And that's, that's really a social justice viewpoint, not just viewpoint, but it's a social justice action plan. I think that's the word you used, the phrase you used early in the interview. 
was an action plan. And when we talk about diversity, I think many minds go to race. We go to the color of people's skin and the culture where they come from. But you just mentioned the LGBTQ community. So there are many issues out there right now around discrimination, around the transgender community, also around people who look at gender and view their own gender in a different way, through a different lens. And I know this can be harder for some older generations to, to digest because it's a real departure from the the norm, from the norm of male, female, husband, wife, you know, things have really shifted these last 30 years or even more. So I'm sure Incredible Health also looks at those issues pretty closely, right? We do. Yeah. I mean, when I say diversity, I mean all of it, race, I know you do. political views, all of it. And I think it's, it's you know, I'm uh, on the, on the political views in particular, Mm-hmm. I am proud of the community we built, right? Like the team, the team is cast conservatives and liberals. We are expanding in red states, blue states. Uh, we are, we have, of course, the nurses and the hospitals are uh, across the entire political spectrum as well. Sure. But this topic of racial uh, justice and social justice is not political, right? It, it, we were talking about a human rights issue that mm-hmm. is, that pervades, you know, the entire country, not just certain political views. Right. So you even said in your letter, I believe I was looking for it, that your workforce, you, your company itself has a lot of diversity around political views, that you are in this, what you said, the um, progressive bubble of the Bay Area, but you're not looking just to hire people who are died in the world Democrats or progressives. You're you don't look at that. You don't think about that. Not at all. And it's not part of your hiring process. And you're, it sounds to me, and I'd love to visit sometime and just hang out with you. I would love to do that. Um, yes, I'm- <laughs> it sounds to me that in your organization, there's room for everyone. And my hope is that organizations like yours, you're a African-American owned and run organization, right? You're the CEO. And my hope is that your organization and others like you that that take social justice at, to heart that it's part of their their raison d'etre like it's what they do and that was horrible french <laughs> um do, do you have hopes or or not do you but what are your hopes for let's say the next decade in terms of let's look at organizations and hiring and healthcare specifically that where can we go? Like, where do you hope we're going to go? So it's funny you say we're based in San Francisco, but we actually have employees all over the country. Uh, I know, right. And they work from home. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think what I hope for in the next, you know, say 10 years or so, and hopefully sooner, is uh, more organizations making diversity a priority because it's driving their results and they understand the connection between diversity and, and building great products or delivering great service. And, and they acknowledge that, that, you know, they are serving a very diverse population. All, all of us are, are serving very diverse populations. So um, it's important to reflect that as well. Yeah. So your hope is that over these coming years, that the, the struggle that's going on now, that, I mean, has been going on since well before the civil rights movement, we can take this back hundreds of years, actually, that 
that some of the work we're doing and that is being done out there will come to fruition. And you're focused very specifically on the healthcare world, but the healthcare world does reflect the wider the wider society. It does. It yeah. absolutely does. And, on, and on every level. On yeah. every level. And there, there's kind of three levels to this, right? So yeah. like the top level is, yes, we need, we need more people voting and we need actual legislation to pass, right? Yes. Um, the, the next level is like, is what we can do within our industries, whether it's healthcare or technology. And then the third level is what can we do within our own communities, whether it's our own companies or our own, um, our own families even, right? So mm-hmm. on, at every level, there's specific actions that we can take. To, and all of that, if, if all of us are operating on, on all three levels, right, um, or even just one level, then, then change is going to happen. That's right. It's, there's the macro and the micro. So we can look at our neighborhoods, the, the block where we live, the people with whom we interact, the people at the grocery store, everything. There's so many ways that we can move the needle in our own tiny, tiny little ways, right? It's like one person wearing a mask is is taking a stand for protecting others and in a way setting an example for others saying, yes, I'm wearing a mask because I feel it's part of my civic duty. And so there's many ways we can do that. And it sounds like, and I can tell that Incredible Health and you specifically and your colleagues there and your executive team, and I'm sure all your employees are really dedicated to this particular trajectory, that this is part of the core of your company's mission and values. It, it is part of our values, yeah. And right. if the mission is to help healthcare professionals live better lives, then you know we got we got to take care of being all healthcare professionals. Right, and it ripples out to everybody else, including their families and loved ones and the communities where they live. So, as we finish up here, people can go to incrediblehealth.com, and there's also a link to the Incredible Health job board under the resources at nursekeep.com. And I've proudly had Incredible Health on my website for quite some time. So you're also on in, in Facebook at Incredible Health Jobs, Instagram at Incredible Health, Twitter at Join Incredible. And then you're at Iman Abuzaid on LinkedIn. And we will have a link there so that people can connect with you on LinkedIn, send you a personalized invitation like I teach all my clients and my audience to say, hey, I heard you on Nurse Keith's show. I'd love to connect with you. So is that okay if people reach out? Absolutely. And on Twitter as well. My DMs are open on Twitter. at Oh, awesome. Okay, great. You have a great social media feed. Your team's doing a great job. So one last question for you, Iman. What are you doing to take care of yourself and your family in these really challenging times? This has been a chaotic half of year so far. Yeah. Um, a few things. So, so first on the topic of self-care, you know, just yeah. make sure, I just try to make sure I'm getting enough sleep, honestly. And it's hard. Good. But okay. Try, try to sleep. And then uh, the other thing is just uh, make sure you're taking a break, right? I mean, yeah. I, I restrict the consumption of social media to like, you know, 9 to 10 p.m. only, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I can, if I look at it in the middle of the day, it can mess up my entire day, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just, those are some of, some of the things we're doing. And then as, as a team, of course, we have, every Wednesday, we have like a hangout where we play games and stuff and do stuff that's completely not work-related, which is really fun. That's nice. And yeah, and this making sure that you get out at least on a walk with a, wearing a mask, of course. Mm-hmm occasionally as well. 
good. Okay. So you're looking after yourself and your family and loved ones. And it sounds like your employees are pretty clued in too, and that the organization is really taking employees' needs into account. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, it's wonderful having you here. And we've touched on a lot, (laughs) racial inequality, the hiring process, the nursing shortage, the CEUs you all are offering to support the healthcare healthcare employees out there of all kinds, well, in the nursing field especially, and also your response to a very, very intense time in American history and global history too. So, you know, you'll be back. This isn't your last time here. This is your second time. And I'll have you back when the time is right, when we have new things to talk about. There will definitely be new things to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, but you're wonderful. It's great chatting with you. And and I know we'll meet in person sometime. And just, you know, take care of yourselves. And thanks for doing all the great work out there on the behalf of nurses and healthcare professionals. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show with Dr. Iman Abuzayed of Incredible Health. And remember, the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 278. You can check out those free CEUs and look for jobs through Incredible Health and they will take good care of you. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And please take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional development, social justice, wellness for yourself and your community, and anything else you can do to contribute to the lives of others and take care of yourself at the same time. The Nurse Key Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts, media entities, musical artists, and others who aim to add a humanistic touch to professional education, educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective, and improve lives by partnering to address social ills, especially the stigmatization of mental illness and the rising epidemic of substance use disorders. Check it out at ArsLonga.media, that is A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A dot media. The Nurse Key Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And my friend, Dr. Iman Abuzayed, bidding you adieu from San Francisco. San Francisco. Thank you, Iman. And we will catch everybody on the flip side. 